0: Oh my God, would you open your Bibles to 1st Samuel chapter 2, 1st Samuel chapter 2. I want to continue this family series. Today, last week, I had the privilege to talk with you about this is over, what ends relationships now i want to talk about something that has to be taught in the family chapter 2 1st samuel verse 12. eli's sons were scoundrels they had no regard for the lord now it was the practice of the priest that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice the priest servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan, or kettle, or cauldron, or pot. Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servants, that is of these, of Phineas and of the sons of Eli, would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast, He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said no, let the fat be burned first, then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over. If you don't, I'll take it by force. This sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my son, the report I hear spreading among the people is not good. If one sins against another, God can mediate for the offender. But if anybody sins against the Lord, who's going to intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. For it was the Lord's will to put them to death. Verse 10 of chapter 4. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of the Covenant was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Mm. The text that claims us is this. His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. As you take your seat, touch somebody and tell them, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I think every child dreams of the time when they will be out from under the control and thumb of their parents and they can do what they want to do. I still have fond memories of dreaming of being grown, being on my own, I can still hear my mother hollering from downstairs, it's time to get up. And then when I came downstairs every morning, hearing the great same statement ring from her lips, have you made your bed? If the answer happened to be no, then the next required action was to turn around before sitting at the table and eating Rice Krispies, cream of wheat, or oatmeal and march back up those steps and make that bed. Do I have anybody who can bear witness to what I'm talking about? I remember having to come home or being home in the evening or any day, especially Saturday, getting up, wondering about what I would do and excited about where I would go. But before I would go anywhere, I would have to look at the list my father had left on the table of all of the assignments that he and my mother affectionately called chores, that would unquestionably be completed before I did anything that I wanted to do. Oh, there was vacuuming and dusting. There was scrubbing the bathroom floor and the kitchen floor. I know there's a help in here. There's cleaning my room, and you would wonder how one person was expected to get so much done in just so short a time, but those were the rules, and the rules had to be abided. There was no chance of it. Everything that my father and mother said, they expected, we, they expected it to be done. I couldn't wait till I got grown. I was excited to finally be on my own. I I knew I would not have to do what they said do. I I was free black, over 21, able to eat cornbread without getting choked. I would dress the way I wanted to dress, go where I wanted to go, do what I wanted to do. When I wanted to do it, And if I didn't feel like going to church, God, I wish I could get an amen. Anybody remember those dreams in your mind? But somewhere along the line, I grew up. And the shoes became reversed. I became the parent and had children. And I learned along the way that parents don't just recite what they learned from their parents. But somewhere along the way, you begin to pick up the understanding of why it was true in the first place. And you begin to understand that you've got to teach your children the rules of life. Because if they're going to survive in this thing called society, they have to know some of the rules of the game. Do I have a witness here? I remember on my first professional job, the job started at 8.30. And I would pull in every day at 8.30. I worked in Annapolis. I would get to work at 8.30. I was 21 years of age. I, I was grown. I had a graduate degree from the university. I was full. I was ready. I, I knew I was somebody. I would pull into my professional job, go in and be there by 8.30, and one day, the, district, the, the plant manager called me in, sat me down in my two-piece suit, necktie up, my shoes tied and shined, and said, uh, Walter Thomas, I want to talk with you about something. I sat there poised and dignified, and I said, what? He said, about the time you get to work. I said, what do you mean? I'm here on time every day. I'm here at 8.30 like I'm supposed to be my ire was beginning to rise how dare you question me I get to work on time now who do you think you are questioning me about my time at work. He sat at his desk, he was my boss, looked across as if to say, you ain't said nothing, and looked at me and said, yes, you do get here at 8.30, but how do you expect to start work at 8.30 if you just arrive at 8.30? He said, the phones open up at 830, calls come through at 830, and you come through the door at 830. I expect you here before 830 so you can start work at 830. All of a sudden, I found somebody serving me the largest slice of humble pie I've ever eaten in all my born days. And I realized if I wanted to keep my job, there were some rules I had to live by. I need you to lean over to somebody and tell him there are some rules you have to live by. In fact, that's what this text is trying to teach us and throws in our face today. Eli is a senior pastor. He is the priest of Shiloh. He has grown old serving the Lord. God called him to be a priest even before he was born. This was the assignment that God laid on his life. And he has been effective at doing what God wants him to do. He has served the Lord with gladness. He has led God's people to the kingdom. In fact, when Hannah came to Shiloh, upset that she could not have a baby, it was Eli who told her God would send her a baby boy, and that baby was known as Samuel. He was connected to God. But church, let me help you understand, there is more to any person than their professional persona. There is always something else to you. I I remember and I think wonderfully about the past president of these United States whose name I do not mind calling, Barack Hussein Obama. God, somebody ought to say thank you. For a man who made us proud, not once in a while, but made us proud every day. I wish I could say, well, I'm not going there. But he made us proud every day. He was the president of these United States. He was the POTUS. He was the commander in chief. He was the leader of the free world. But what really gripped my heart was watching him time after time on CNN or on the evening news when he was stationed with his daughters, when you would see him with Sasha and Malia. To them, he was not the president. To them, he was not the commander-in-chief. He was just daddy. God, y'all miss that. He was just daddy. They saw him in another light. He's the president on one hand, but he's daddy on another. I was at Facebook some years ago for a meeting, and Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of Facebook, major mogul in that industry, was talking about what changes Facebook was making to accommodate the problems that they had noticed on their platform. But after she had talked a while about this, this woman who is a major CEO and recognized around the world transitioned her conversation where she talked about the untimely death of her husband and what it's like to have to rear children as a single mom. Somebody better hear me. There's always more to you than the title that you have. If you know I'm right, touch somebody and tell them, I know that's right. There's more to you than where you work and what you drive and where you live and how much money you have. There's another side to your life. Eli is the priest at Shiloh, but he's also a family man. He has two boys who are coming along behind him, two sons, but they are moving in a negative direction. They are violating the laws of God. They violate the laws related to sacrifice, and they are violating the women who come to the Lord's house. Look at somebody and say, oh, that ain't right. And worst of all, Trisha, they do it without shame or remorse. They have turned a deaf ear to right and righteousness. The boys have a mind of their own and a will of their own, and they will not listen to anybody. If you know anybody like that, just give me a half a wave. Don't throw your hand up too high or too fast. You might throw it out of socket. But just give me a half a wave. If you know folk who just won't. Listen. I I I told our earlier congregation, I've got to say it to you too, I'll be riveted in the chair this season watching a TV show that comes on. In fact, tonight at nine o'clock, I will be home. I will be in my station of position. I will be set up. I will have got, I may not get my nap today because I'm going to see Janie who's celebrating 80, amen. But I will, if I get a nap, I will get up by eight o'clock. Why? Because the Real Housewives of the Potomac come on. And there's nothing like a little bit of good trash. And that gets me warmed up, Tip. That gets me warmed up for what comes on at nine. Help me somebody. Somebody say, "How you watch How does pastor watch so much TV? Where there's a will? Yeah. There's a way, baby, there's a way. But at nine o'clock, I will be in position, Andre. I will be sitting there. I will not be waiting on my DVR tonight. I will be watching with great interest what happens on power. Yeah. Can I get a witness here? I want to see ghosts. And Tommy oh God and Tasha somebody ought to say Tasha oh I want to see it I got to see it but you know what really piques my interest this season what piques my interest this season is the total disregard of young Tariq for all the advice and good sense that other people want to give him. Here he is. He just got grown day before yesterday. As my father would say, still wet behind the ears. Just became a thug last night. And now all of a sudden he's street wise and knows everything. His father who will kill people just at the drop of a hat who last week submachine gunned Tommy's car. Somebody better hear me. And Tommy is supposed to be his brother from another mother. Help us, God. But when it comes to Tariq, when it comes to Tariq, he can't seem to do a thing. He allows the indefensible and even ignores the offensive. He lets that boy get away with murder. Help me somebody. This text is the same thing in biblical days. The father meets with the boys and says, you got to stop this. You taking the best, you taking the Lord's offering and the Lord's women. You messing over what belongs to God, and you're missing over the Lord's folk. They are having sex with the Lord's women and taking the Lord's offering. And he's talking to them, and they look at him and hear him. But this is the report. And his sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke. First, 10 of chapter 4 says And the battle raged and the Israelites were defeated and the ark of the covenant was seized 30,000 people died and Hophni and Phineas the sons of Eli died help me somebody The part I didn't read you, not somebody say, get this. I'm not going to preach this part. But the part I didn't read you said this. And when Eli heard that his sons were dead, that the Ark of the Covenant was gone, he killed over and died. Yeah, look at somebody and say, ooh, it was too much, and he died. Eli can't get through to them. And the result is, in the end, they become casualties to their own behavior simply because they couldn't follow the rules. They couldn't listen to somebody. They couldn't heed a good word of advice. I want to say it again. If you know somebody like that, just wave at me. I want to make sure I'm preaching to the right folk. If you've seen it in others, just wave at me. If you've seen folk, what we used to call them when I was growing up was hard-headed. And you know the line, a hard-head. Oh God, huh? there's enough people in here who come from the hood. Aha, uh-huh. there's enough folk in here today who come from the old time way. I feel like preaching now. I feel like Sophia, uh-huh. I'm back now. My help is here. Uh, I'm preaching to the right crowd. A hard head make a soft hand. What could have been different? Cause none of us wanna see our children become casualties. None of us want to see our loved ones, brother or sister, aunt or uncle, anybody go down the tube because they so hard-headed. How many of you work with folk like that? They dismiss what you say like water off a duck's back. You almost are talking to a brick wall. You wonder what world are they in? Oh, it's quiet now. What could have been different? I began to look at this text and wonder, what could have been different? What messed them up? How did they get so bad? What happened? And I think I know what happened. Eli is grown and he's been doing his job. He's been working at the task God gave him to do. He's trying to keep food on the table. He's trying to keep a roof over the family's head. He's trying to make sure everybody has what they need. There are times he can't make it to the football game, and times he can't get to the basketball game, and times he can't be home to tuck them in bed, and times he can't do this, and times he can't do that, but what he can do, he tries to do. He tries to make sure things happen for them. He tries to make sure they have nice things. God, am I talking to anybody? He tries to make sure that he keeps, he's there for them and he has the thing. And I think I understand what went wrong. While they are watching their father work hard and do hard things, the thing that really began to help me understand what happens as the father continues to bless them, they learn to enjoy being blessed. but do not learn how to honor responsibilities. What do you mean, preacher? They enjoy privilege, but do not learn how to honor responsibilities. Oh, God, preach Walter Thomas. Somebody's going to get this word today. See, a lot of folk like the privileges that come with being who they are, but they don't understand. They don't understand if you get privilege in life, you also have responsibility in life. Privilege is one side of the court. Responsibility is the other side of the court. Can I preach like I want? How many of you know you are somebody not because of what you have. You are somebody not because how much hair you have on your head how many suits you have in the closet how fine you are because good black do crap. You're not all that because of what you have. The measure of a man and the measure of a woman is what you do, how you bless others, how you move in life, how you handle responsibility. And the problem is too many folk have made the leap from privilege to entitlement. They go from privilege, James to being entitled. You owe me this, you ought to do this. You must have lost your mind. I don't owe you a blessed thing. You owe yourself the responsibility to get out of that bed and go find a job. It may not pay you what you want, but it'll pay you something. You have the responsibility to take care of your children. If you've got to work two jobs or three jobs or four. You have the responsibility to do these things. You You have to give them the privilege of a roof over their head, but you must teach them the responsibility of taking care of whatever belongs to you. Do I have a witness in here? You have the responsibility to be a blessing to somebody else. Yes, you do. Don't you fool yourself. That's our responsibility. I feel like preaching this thing. When, when I was growing up, I, I, when I was growing up, one of the things I remember, and, and I love this, my parents would periodically do special things for my brother and myself. It was only the two of us. But they would do special things for us. They, they might take us shopping for something for us. They might take us out and get us a new outfit, new pair of shoes or something. And we always shouted. Now, not in the church shout. I mean shouted in the young people's shout, yeah. Couldn't wait to get in street and say, I learned a lesson then. If it's new, wear it now. I know people talking about, oh, I've had this thing in the closet for years. There ain't nothing been in my closet for years that ain't been on my back for days. Help me somebody. Can I get a witness up in here? Why? Because we learn privilege you enjoy. But when you got home, help me somebody. When I got home, we still had to set the table every night for dinner. We still had to clear the table after we ate. We still, my brother and I still had to wash the dishes, whether we liked it or not. There were no girls in our house, so we had to do everything the boys do and the girls do. We took out the trash. We washed the clothes. We hung them up. We went out there with the clothesline. Can I get a clothesline recognition in here? and the clothes pins, and we fold the clothes and put them in Why? Because when there were privileges, there were also responsibilities. You began to understand that privilege and responsibility go hand in hand. And that's what God does. When God blesses you, he doesn't intend for you to sit down like a proud peacock and act like you're better than somebody else. He gives you the blessings of privilege, but he doesn't mean for you to feel entitled what he wants you to do is feel empowered to do what he wants you to do. Can I get a witness? See, when you look at all the privileges you have, you have responsibilities to make this world better for somebody else. You have the responsibility to speak for folk who can't speak for themselves. You have the responsibility to help folk get ahead in life. You have the responsibility to turn crazy around. We talk about how crazy our American government is. Don't you sit back next November and act like a proud, pious peacock just running your mouth. You have the responsibility to take your little rusty dusty to the pole and make some change in this world. Can I get somebody in here who understands we have a responsibility to turn government around, to make righteousness work. Why? Because God has equipped us with what we need to do fully, brilliantly, and completely What has to be done? But if we get caught on entitlement and forget empowerment, we'll be looking to get something instead of give something. Not somebody tell them this is a giving season. Quiet is kept. Let me put it this way. If God doesn't do anything for you the rest of the day, he's already done more than you ever anticipated. Can I get a witness? I need to see the hands of folk who know you've got surplus. God's been so good to you, you've got surplus. You've got blessings you haven't even touched yet. How dare you not be responsible and help somebody else and do the right thing for somebody else? The mistake was Eli allowed them to learn to enjoy privilege without honoring responsibility. I hear parents talk about my children don't do nothing and they live in your house. My father would have slapped me back to Africa. I'm talking about I ain't doing this. I got to go somewhere. Well, get up earlier. No, 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 you got to learn response. I work hard cause I learn to work hard when I was a child. I take care of my family. I don't understand men who can't take care of their family. I just don't understand it. How somebody taught you to be entitled to have somebody else take care of your family. I grew up with a man who worked every day, went out the back door because he was ashamed of the clothes he had but he wanted to make sure his family had a roof over their head. How could I tell that man I can't go to work? No, whenever there's privilege, it must be matched with a teaching of responsibility. Wait a minute, that's not all. What messed this family up? What did Eli do wrong that didn't get through to these boys? Because they sat there, he talking to them, And when they finished, the Bible said, they paid him no mind. It was like water rolling off a duck's back. It went in. Have you ever stopped to think about the number of ways we we have to describe being ignored? (laughs) They paid him absolutely. When he finished, they said, ain't nobody got time for this. And and here's here's the reason. He made a big mistake. He forgot what a parent's job is. A parent's job is to teach. Wait a minute. But teaching is never complete until there is learning he thought talking was teaching uh-oh i just ran across a parent's foot i know just take them toes over the to good sam or somewhere and they'll they'll put them back on and connect the nerves just because you talking doesn't mean you teaching Teaching is about a change in behavior. Oh God, he talked to the boy. Sherry, he talked to him, he talked to him. And and here's the great line of prayer. Well, I told him so. You were talking to hear yourself talk. But don't think that talking is teaching. When I, when I was coming along, I, I think I'm, I'm over somebody's head. When I was coming along, I don't know if they still do it. Somebody told me this morning, they think they do. When I came along, you could sit in class for nine months, take all the tests and everything. And at the end of the semester, the teacher would look at you and say, see you this summer. <laughs> and they had no remorse, none. In fact, they look at you like, This is absolutely pitiful. But you don't worry, don't worry, you failed. But you can do it over this summer because you didn't learn it in the nine months. And we're not gonna act like you did. We're not gonna confuse you and let you think that. Failing is passing, and the lack of knowledge is another way of saying knowledge. We're not gonna let you believe that unknowledge is knowledge. So therefore, you got to go to school this summer cause you failed this year. Help me somebody. Some of y'all are wondering why you're going through the same experience over and over. It's because God is like the best professional teacher God says, you didn't learn it the first time, and I'm not going to let you delude yourself and make you think that you learned it. No, no, baby. You got to deal with this again and again and again until the light comes on and you go, oh, now I see what you're talking about. Do I have a witness in here? Because look at what's happening. The father's saying to the boys, now get what he says you got to stop taking the best food and the best women. Let me make this genderless. If you're a woman, this is what the mother says to her, her daughters. you got to stop going after the best food on the table and getting it and the best looking men in church and getting them. The implication is you may need to settle for just anything off the food and you may need to start going with ugly people. Look at somebody and say, nah, 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 that ain't happening. Not today. Not today, not today. You know, and you know somebody's ugly when, they, when you ask them, "What she look like? She nice. Or what he look like? He nice. All right, brothers, this is what the Father is telling you. You got to stop getting the best food, and you got to stop getting all the pretty women. And I mean, not just going after them, but having them. Are you going to listen? Let's be real. Are you going to listen to that? You 21, 22, you smelling yourself. You, I'm not going to ask for everybody whose player's card has, you know, crumpled. But I know there's some ex-players in the house, players and playerettes. The playerettes will never raise their hand, I tell you that. They'll never raise their hand. They'll never raise their hand because they're too sanctified now. They'll never (laughs) raise their hand. But there's some ex-players in this house. Would you have listened to that? Or would you say... (laughs) See, most of us think that when somebody's offering, when telling them this, that he's trying to get them to stop doing something bad, but it's good for them in their minds. This is something they're enjoying. Who wouldn't enjoy this? And he's telling them to stop. They pay him no mind. Why? Because we find a hard time stopping what we are liking because somebody's telling us it's not going to work out. But let me help you understand something. A good road can still go off the cliff. Somebody missed that. A good car can still break down. Do I have anybody in here who knows that something started out good, but it turned bad after a while? Do I have somebody here who had somebody speak into your mind, but you refused to listen, and later on you realize everything they said was right what did the father do wrong? He made the mistake of thinking because he was talking, he was teaching. God sent me in here to tell somebody, you have not taught the lesson until you see a change in the behavior. Somebody said, well, listen, pastor, you don't understand. You can, I've been trying to tell him and trying to talk, but I just can't seem to get through. God told me to tell you this, keep on trying. Keep on trying. The problem is not that you're teaching the wrong thing. The problem is you're teaching it the wrong way. You have to find the way people learn and teach them that kind of way. Don't just try to scare people out of hell. Let them see that there's a better side dealing with the way God has you live. Can I get a witness in here? I'm almost finished because my time is up, but I got to drop this. See, if you really look at this, God is the best father and teacher we've ever had. Go back to Hebrews and you'll see what I'm talking about. Hebrews starts out, God who at sundry time has spoken to us by the prophets and by the priests now realized there needed to be a better way to communicate with us. So this time God didn't tell us stop doing this and stop doing that. But instead God sent his only begotten son to walk among us, to walk right beside us. Oh God, I feel my help coming now. And When you've been around Jesus, nothing looks as good in your life as Jesus does. Do I have a witness? That food would have looked good to those boys. Those women would have looked good to those boys. But touch the person beside you and tell them this, I got a question to ask you. Which would you rather have? The good meat and the good women? Or to be able to speak things that are not as if they are so and watch them come to pass? Which would you rather have? The good meat and the good women? Or to be able to tell mountains to get out of your way? Which would you rather have, the good meat or the good women, or be able to walk on water when the problems of life start rising? Can I get a witness in here? When I think of what God offers, it's better than anything the world offers. Don't just try to tell folk this will mess you up. Tell them how good God is. Tell them that he's a way maker, that he's a heart fixer, that he's a burden bearer, that he's a bridge over troubled waters tell him that even when you mess up he'll pick you back up when you fall he'll restore you when you cry he'll dry your tears when you hurt he'll heal your heart that he loves you that he forgave you that he blessed your life. Do I have anybody in here who know Jesus fed you when you were hungry? Jesus opened your blinded eyes. Jesus opened and unstopped your deaf ears. Touch somebody and tell them I learned from Jesus. He taught me how to love folk. He taught me how to love myself. He taught me how to live my life. He taught me how to serve humanity. He taught me he's a bridge over troubled waters. He taught me he's a shelter in the time of storm. He taught me he'll provide for my needs. He taught me he will supply all of my needs. He taught me he will dry my tears. He taught me he will hold my hand. He taught me he will guide my feet. He taught me he'll make a way out of nowhere. He taught me he'll lift me up. He taught me he'll stand by my side. He taught me he'll make a way out of nowhere. He taught me he's a doctor in a sick room. He taught me he's a lawyer in a courtroom. He taught me he's the best friend I can ever have. He taught me he's my savior, my redeemer, my soon-coming king, my Jesus, my Jesus, he loved me he forgave me and now I know look at somebody and say I know I know I'm not who I used to be I'm not who I used to be I've come a long way I may not be perfect but I'm on my journey I may not do it alright but I'm on my journey I may fall sometimes But I'm on my journey. He walks with me. He talks with me. I feel the power of Jesus. I want everybody to stand. He loved me. Eli, just because you talk to him, doesn't mean they learned you told them what they shouldn't do let me ask you some of us who had our players cards and remember when we had them laminated but one day that players card couldn't help us in the situation we were in but Jesus. I need you to grab somebody and tell them, but Jesus. And after Jesus came in, we were willing to retire our car, put it aside. Because no matter how good anything the world is offering is, once you've been with Jesus, Can I get a witness in here? My life has changed. If I've got anybody in church today who's so glad that the Lord used the church, new psalmist, to turn your life, to teach you the lesson. Do I have anybody who can say, God used the church to teach you the lesson? Come on, praise God for the church.